God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So a lot is going on out out in uh, the symposium. And I uh, just want to encourage, if you're going to buy uh, Mike Lindell's pillows, uh, you may want to use the code word Red State, promo code Red State. And uh, that is our promo code uh it does two things. It helps the red state. It helps our station. It helps my show. Um, but also, it also um, helps Lindell with what he's doing. Now, there's a lot of pushback and a lot of um, things going on with respect to, uh, you know, the uh, the presentation out there. It's, it's, you know, I saw this one encounter where Cove Monkeys uh was basically suggesting that his attorney Ty Clevenger was saying that the hard drives in Mesa County were in Arizona were taken uh and and then all, all of a sudden uh a woman uh forget the name chimes in and says I just spoke with Ty Clevenger and it hadn't been taken the hard drives hadn't been taken and so you know you're kind of forced with like this disbelief as to what is actually going on. But apparently it's in real time. There's a lot of live moving parts uh, in this symposium, which is going to wrap up today. Uh, today's their third day and last day. And it's interesting to see what kind of move, uh, what kind of uh, journalistic coverage is going on with that. Um, so I found that to be interesting. You know, the, uh, a lot of conservative uh, newspapers, a lot of conservatives, um, the, you know, uh, outlets are not covering it. Uh, and only a select few are covering the symposium event, in part because it doesn't have that professional feel. It wasn't open to the public. There isn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of uh, large crowd. It was mostly journalists. Um. And so it's kind of an interesting set of dynamics that way. So 
I uh, wanted to report on something that Reuters had been reporting on with regard to that. And and then also what Reuters was reporting with respect to something else as well related to Sidney Powell. Um, because one of the uh, Trump-appointed judges uh, basically uh, said that you can continue, Dominion can continue to sue Sidney Powell and Giuliani and, um, and uh, Mike Lindell for defamation. Where are they getting all this money to sue everybody? Because they're now suing One America News Network and Newsmax for actually covering the symposium, the cyber symposium in South Dakota, just for airing it. Now, the Dominion company is going to sue Newsmax and One America News Network. It's absurd to think that this could be going on in our, our day, in our time. That being said, uh, Brad Heath, he's followed by a lot of conservatives on Twitter. Uh, I never knew Brad Heath until yesterday when I read this report. Um, and I checked it out, and he's somewhat of a conservative, and he's supported and followed by a lot of uh, conservatives as a legitimate news source. And he wrote this, and it, it had me scratching my head. He wrote two different things yesterday that I'm going to refer to. Uh, I'm going to refer you to right now. One is... He says, Spider, a.k.a. Spider with a Y, Mike Lindell's lead cyber expert, says at the podium live that the packet capture data from uh, Mike Lindell has been promising for months. Would the, oh, okay, so what he's saying is that Mike Lindell's lead cyber expert says that the packet capture data that Mike Lindell's been promising for months would irrefutably show the 2020 election was rigged by China. He said it was actually bogus. This is according to the Washington Times, one of the, the most conservative news outlets in D.C. It says, exclusive, cyber expert says his team can't prove Mike Lindell's claims that China hacked election. So it's not that China didn't do it. I believe China did do it. But the case was promised, it was promised that the case was going to be made, that that, that it was going to be proven. And what's happening is a lot of these moving parts are being misunderstood by some from what I hear. Um, and in any case, it's not, it's not actually being proven properly. And so then that lends us to the the other Gateway Pundit article, which basically says Dominion is now suing One America News and Newsmax for airing this thing. And you say, well, where does Newsmax get, I mean, where does Dominion get all their money? For to, They could just sue Newsmax and sue One America News Network and sue Sidney Powell and sue everybody else. And they're getting it from government contracts. And I, I would have to say that 
a com- company that has such liberal bias in its leadership and a company that gets all these contracts almost exclusively, we need to double check and re- reverse course. I don't believe that they should be getting the government contracts because they've been in the middle of one litigation after another, because they won't cooperate with investigators and auditors in Arizona. And they've been arrogant every step of the way. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, the uh, conservative voice in America, they're not trusted by conservatives. Dominion is not trusted by conservatives at all. And there's so many smoking guns. I mean, if you look at what was, what has been presented in this symposium, the cyber symposium Lindell has put out, it's at least cause for concern. Maybe they're not making their case to where it's legitimately going to be put out in the court of law and win cases. But you have to, you have to at least acknowledge that Dominion is not a company that should be chosen every single time for using these machines. And many Americans would rather see, would rather see the um, machines not used at all. No one's machine should be used. Let's just go with paper ballots. And in fact, in most countries, like I think it's uh, Germany, in other countries, um, they laugh at what's going on in America. And they basically say, we don't trust. We don't trust these electrical ballots. I forget which country it was, but maybe it wasn't Germany. But, but what it was was uh, that a lot of country countries acknowledge that they're not going to go down that road of these machines because it puts all the power into the hands of the machine machine manufacturer. And they hold exclusive access to the back-end administrative control panels. And they lied about whether or not these machines have internet access or not, which opens up all kinds of avenues for fraud. And all I'm saying is the benchmark needs to be reevaluated by the courts. And the benchmark needs to be, can you cheat with these machines? We could, but we we never would, sir, is what the answer would be. And you say, well, if you could, would there be a way for auditors to figure that out? Uh, Well, they would have to have access to the back-end BIOS admin section to disable or enable things that we have set just right. And we can't give access to that because those are trade secrets. That would uh, tip a hat to our competitors and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and at that point, you got to say no, then your machine's no, no longer usable. All we want is a machine that tabulates. You know, it just counts ones and zeros. It doesn't fractionalize. It doesn't have back room, back end doors that allow you to enable features and disable features. It puts too much power into the hands of the manufacturer and the top brass of Dominion. 
who's now suing everybody for merely questioning them. And if there's one takeaway that I get from the symposium that Lindell's been putting out there, it's just that. But it's concerning. It's absolutely concerning that Washington Times would literally write an article that says the cyber expert on the red team hired by MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell now says the key data underpinning the theory that China hacked the 2020 election unveiled at the cyber symposium is illegitimate. So reading further, Mr. Lindell says he had 37 terabytes of irrefutable evidence that hackers who he said were backed by China broke into election systems and switched votes in favor of President Biden. The proof, he said, is visible in intercepted network data or packet captures that were collected by hackers and could be unencrypted to reveal that a cyber attack occurred and that votes were switched. But cyber expert Josh Merritt, they also call him the spider, who is the who is uh, on the team hired by Lindell to interrogate the data for the symposium, told the Washington Times that packet captures are unrecoverable in the data and that the data, as provided, cannot prove a cyber incursion by China. It doesn't disprove it, but it can't prove it, which was kind of why the event was set up. So our team said... We're not going to say that this is legitimate if we don't have confidence in the information, Mr. Merritt said on Wednesday, the second day of the symposium. Mr. Merritt's break from Mr. Lindell accelerated the unraveling of the MyPillow millionaire's months of spinning of a conspiracy theory that he said would reverse the outcome. I'm just reading this. Uh, reverse the outcome of the 2020 election and restore former President Donald Trump to the White House. Mr. Lindell delayed a scheduled scheduled unveiling of his evidence on Wednesday at the symposium. He had offered $5 million to any in-person attendee who could disprove his claims the offer is no longer on the table, Mr. Merritt said. Oh, my goodness. All right, so I didn't read the tail end of that until just now. Um, but I was going on... This article was linked into the Reuters article, and uh, that's not that's not great news. Um, all right, so the other thing I wanted to get to was the Sidney Powell case. All right, so there's the um, the case in point related to Sidney Powell and Sidney Powell and Giuliani. So it was a it was a Republican judge. It was a Trump-appointed judge. It seems like these Trump-appointed judges are not, I don't know what they're doing. But it says here, D.C. Trump-appointed judge allows Dominion's $1.3 billion defamation case against Giuliani, Sidney Powell, and Mike Lindell to proceed. So a Trump-appointed judge ruled on Wednesday, yesterday, that a $1.3 billion lawsuit by Dominion Voting Systems against Giuliani Powell, Sidney Powell, and Mike Lindell may proceed. So the judge's name's Carl Nichols, 
He's a Washington, D.C. judge, dismissed requests to throw out the junk lawsuit. But what's troubling the most about this is what Reuters has reported, and it, it concerns me. So Brad Health Heath, a conservative, wrote this. He says, a federal judge, Carl Nichols, has rejected ex-Trump lawyer Sidney Powell's argument. What was Sidney Powell's argument? And this is what concerns me. A federal judge has rejected ex-Trump lawyers Sidney Powell's argument that no reasonable person would believe her election fraud claims were statements of fact. Dominion suit against her, Giuliani, and my pillow will go forward. That is the takeaway to that. So Powell contends that no reasonable person could conclude, these are in the court documents, Powell contends that no reasonable person, Sidney Powell, contends that no reasonable person could conclude that her statements were statements of fact because they concerned the 2020 presidential election, which was both bitter and controversial. Powell's um, MOT at 38 and were made as an attorney advocate for Powell's preferred candidate and in support of her legal and political positions. As an initial matter, there is no blanket immunity for statements that are political in nature. As the Court of Appeals, well, they should take that rule because so many people are getting fired for their political beliefs. That's a political action too. And I think this opens up lawsuits in all kinds of ways. I think that if you as an employee are getting fired by a liberal employer, and to correct myself, a radical left, a left wing, a winger, okay, uh, to quote one of the callers that called in yesterday. Um, but to, uh, if you're fired at the hands of that, then you have a recourse. You should have a recourse for that. So the fact that statements were made in a political context does not indiscriminately immunize every statement contained therein. It is true that the courts recognize the value in some level of imaginative expression or rhetorical hyperbole in our public debate. Milkovich, 497 U.S. Section 2. But it is simply not the law that provably false statements cannot be actionable if made in the context of an election. Wow. All right, so the part that gets me the most is that Cindy Powell is basically admitting that no reasonable person would believe her election fraud claims. That, to me, is uh, absolutely concerning. And, you know, it drives... it drives The reason why we've never had Sidney Powell and these... Uh, and, and Lynn Wood and Patrick Byrne and people like that on our program is because we, as a show, knew a lot of these things um, personally underneath underneath the surface. And in fact, um, yours truly, Scott Adams, um, I was approached and I was called by the Washington Post, a guy named John Swain, 
was a writer for The Guardian and for The Washington Post. Now, he got the article asked backwards. He did. He really didn't know what he was hunting down. But it was in light of the Jericho March. And I was pretty upset about what Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell and Ari Alexander and all these um, people were doing in Georgia, telling people not to vote. And I thought, Lynn Wood, a lifelong Democrat, is telling people, hey, don't vote, don't be, don't be fooled twice, you're not dumb, you're Georgians, you're not dumb. You know, that's all he said, all those things. And I thought, that is an absolute ridiculous statement to make in the lead-up to a runoff election in Georgia, to where we lost both of them. I wonder how many votes Linwood cost us. And I think it's a lot. And here I am, you know, a Trump-supporting, Republican, conservative, you know, make no bones about it. I'm, I've, been the Trump, I've been on the Trump train. I wasn't a late bloomer. I was on the Trump train before he went down the escalator, advocating for him to run. And he did run. And I loved his first speech about how bad people are crossing our border. I was on the Trump train since the very beginning. There's a lot of people that you know and love that were late bloomers. The whole, all the, the whole crew over town hall were never Trumpers. And um, Katie Pavlich and, and uh, all these different uh, thinkers in Washington were, you know, how about Dana Loesch? Dana Loesch was a never-Trumper. Um, Steve Dace was a, a never-Trumper. Glenn Beck was a never-Trumper. All of a sudden, they're hijacking the Trump card. Alex Jones threw Trump under the bus. Then he re-embraced it. And Ali Alexander was a Karl Rove guy. And people don't even know this. They just listen to these people talk. And what I'm saying is, there ought to be some credit for consistency. And I, I just wish that people inside the Trump movement and inside the America First, Make America Great Again policy agenda initiative, I wish we would just open our eyes and try to see straight, not be snowed. So, guess what happened? Well, I get the call from Washington Post. I'll never, I've never told this story. This is a true story. And it's demonstrably true because I can prove it. Uh, all you got to do is look up John Swain, Washington Post, and the Kraken, and you will see a story there. Just Google it. John Swain, J-O-N-S-W-A-I-N, Washington Post, Kraken, Jericho March. And you'll see, I was the the interviewed source in that article. But I was anonymous. And it involved Sidney Powell. And so what happened was the guy calls me up in the the, the, uh, late afternoon. It was like early evening probably around 5, 6 p.m. Eastern time. And he says, uh, do you uh, know X, 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 uh, do you know this person? And I'm not going to mention the name because I don't want to get into any lawsuit trouble. Some of these people are sued happy and, and trigger happy. So I, I'm just, for technical reasons, not going to mention the name. 
but she used to have a show on Red State Talk Radio, and I know her well. And so what ended up happening is I said, so do you know anything about so-and-so? And I said, yes. And they said, oh, I said, what, what's, the, uh, what's the subject about? What do you want to talk about? And uh, because it was about anything that went down related to Millie Weaver or Gavin Wintz or any of these other people, I didn't want to talk about it. But he said, oh, it's about the Kraken. Remember Shadowgate? The same people that were involved with Shadowgate were actually involved now with the Kraken. And this Kraken thing, oh, the Kraken, Seidel, you know, all these things going on in Germany and stuff. And next thing you know, it was the first time I had ever heard the connection between the Kraken and the person I know. And I know the person to be a fraud, a complete and total fraud, with a criminal record that's about 10 pages long, with dockets and criminal records out in Oregon, out in, 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 in uh, Pennsylvania, North Dakota, a whole bunch of Kentucky, a whole bunch of states. They said they had degrees that they didn't have. They were registered Democrat. They were actually registered Democrat, the people I'm talking about. So the guy says, well, I'm talking about the Kraken. So-and-so is the Kraken. Sidney Powell's Kraken? And I said, and, and he said, yes. So I shared some of my information with him. And I said, wow, if that's the Kraken, we're really in trouble. If that's the Kraken, we're really in trouble. So apparently they put together this Kraken thing where they wrote up some multi, many-page affidavit. The number 37 pages comes to mind. But in any case, it was a, ma- it was a big affidavit. And they sworn that they were telling the truth. And from what I understand, Sidney Powell is probably a little naive and bought into these things and sold off on them to the point where other show hosts I know said that they were selling out on purpose because it was good for business. It was another woman, actually, just to put it straight, not the person I'm talking about now, but another woman who is working with General McInerney. General McInerney is another buffoon telling stories. And you just wonder, okay, what's going on here? Because a lot of these players are infiltrating the Republican movement and they're embarrassing us and they're discrediting everything that we're, we're trying to do. It's a tactic. Because there's no doubt that voter fraud happened. But I think it's very questionable that the people that are leading the charge for the voter fraud are frauds themselves. And why would they do that? Well, the reason why they're going to do it is because they want to discredit any chance we have of proving our point. So when we're asked about voter fraud by a liberal, we get laughed at. So if I'm having a debate with somebody talking about voter fraud and the guy rolls his eyes at me, he's lumping me in because it's convenient with the, the whole crew of, of numbnuts because he is trying to win his argument and it makes it easy for him to do that. 
you know, if the Republicans have one racist among us, we're all racists. Oh, see, what, what, what do you know about this guy? He's a racist. It's like, that's just one person. I don't even know him, right? Whatever. But you see how it happens. PR, age, PR firms have done this for ages where they'll actually create and fabricate a story that seems like it has legs because it runs counter to what a PR agent would normally do just so they could then discredit the story and then say, because this story was discredited, we could discredit all of the stories. And that is the problem. Because there's no doubt about it that Joe Biden did get 81 million votes. There's no doubt about the fact that election fraud happened. But there's so much money in play and so many people getting paid off and so much derelict of duty. I mean, for crying out loud, why in the world did Ken Barnett get fired about three weeks ago in Arizona? Why did that happen? You know? It's it's absolutely, you know, and you're not going to hear this anywhere. You know, there's one thing about fighting the opposition, the Democrats, right? Which we have our hands full with that. But to actually call people out within your own team and within your own party, it becomes even more challenging and more difficult. Because there are people that are listening to this show and then all of a sudden you should see the hate mail I get when I talk of when I merely utter one little small thing I had a woman email me last week I said something out of line off turn it was about uh, something related to uh, Mike Lindell or something like that and she said I'm never listening to Red State Talk Radio again I'll never listen to your show again uh, you're dead to me, whatever. And I'm like, for what? Because I spoke my truth? Because I actually have information that you might not have? That I got the call? That I was actually the source? Or did I know the source? I, I can't help it that I know something that I should. But don't tell me I shouldn't say what I know to be true. I mean, for crying out loud, why in the world would I ever even have a talk show to begin with if I can't talk about things that actually matter? It's so easy to wave a flag and call myself a patriot. But we have to understand that we're not playing checkers here. We're playing chess. And there's infiltrators and things that are done that seem on its face to be one way but are actually another. And that's the kind of person I think that you need. You need somebody to be able to see that. And so there is a lot of stuff going on with regard to this election fraud. And the reason why it's going on is because it's the, it's the center of the fight that we're in. It's the absolute center of the fight. We are in a fight for our lives. And we have to win. You can't, you know, when I hear people talking about going, you know, I heard Brian Kilmeade today. Going to, you know, um, with polls like that, you know, with regard to Joe Biden or something like that, it's like, yeah, he's his poll numbers are taking a dive when it comes to the, the, the border security. Oh, and his 
numbers are taking a dive when it comes to inflation and the value of a dollar. And his numbers are taking a dive when it comes to gas prices, which is kind of inflation. Um, it's like it doesn't even matter whether his numbers were taking a dive. His numbers were never real to begin with. Now, all of a sudden, you got Hunter Biden sleeping around with another hooker who happens to be a Russian who's talking about him making gazillions of dollars and him being extorted. Where in the heck does Hunter Biden make gazillions of dollars? That is a absolute quote. And he's got another laptop that's gone missing. This time it's got inside information about Joe. Quid pro Joe. You just knew this was going to happen. Shame on the Democrats that voted for them. Shame on the Stacey Abrams who rigged the elections in Georgia. Shame on people I know, like in Philadelphia, my friends, who actually turn a blind eye to the truth and vote for these morons simply because they don't like Trump's Donald Trump's blonde hair or his arrogant way or his, his, his thumbing his nose up at political correctness. Because political correctness has run amok in our country. I mean, it's all designed. What is political correctness? It's, it's just a way to stymie a debate. <clears throat> it's a way to shut down the opposition with respect to having an openness, open and honest discussion. And there's so many other issues that we want to talk about today. And I'm going to talk about them um, because there were issues that I've had on my docket to talk about for <laughs> a week. Some of these stories are about four or five days old now, but I really want to actually talk about them. And we're going to start with some of the other stories and we're going to end up today's show reading through uh, a lot of the magical and wonderful and great tweets that we uh, know and love and have uh, that are great point makers. Uh, we're going to end up with that. But this guy is Zeke Emanuel, Rahm Emanuel's brother. Rahm Emanuel was the chief of staff for Obama. He was then the mayor of Chicago. His brother is Zeke, Ezekiel. Basically said, we're going to be shut down for two years under the Trump administration. He said, we're going to be shut down for two years. Well, this guy also has this notion that you should be, you should die at age, age nine, at age 75. Guess what he wants to do? Well, I'll go ahead and read it. I already know the punchline. I've known it, you know, since I read this article days ago. This article was uh, printed August 9th, but it struck me. And I wrote uh, some really interesting tweets about it. But I said, it says here, this is the opening paragraph. President Joe Biden is reportedly considering naming Ezekiel Emanuel, who clearly stated that he doesn't believe older people contribute to society and that he wants to die. He wants to die by 75 to head the Food and Drug Administration as its permanent commissioner. And that's according to Politico. Now, Emmanuel, 63, served as an advisor on Biden. I guarantee you this guy is going to live past 75. 
and he's going to be a hypocrite when he does. Emmanuel, 63, 63 years old, served as an advisor on Biden's campaign before joining the new administration, uh, COVID-19 advisory board. During this time there, he called for prolonged lockdowns to fight COVID-19, the most ridiculous guidances. But my biggest concern about him wanting to be the head of FDA is here's a guy that says people shouldn't live past 75 and he wants to be the head of your food. And it kind of reminds me of another guy that wants to be in charge of your food, Bill Gates. Bill Gates is pushing 100% consumption of 100% synthetic beef that has formaldehydes in it. The same kind of formaldehydes that are found in many of the vaccines. Maybe not the COVID-19 vaccine, which is not even a vaccine. People don't even know what the COVID-19 thing is. Because when I say thing, it's for lack of a better word, it's not a vaccine. The Pfizer what? The Pfizer vaccine? No, the Pfizer thing. Because we were talking about the um, vaccine shedding. You could only, vaccines only shed when they actually have the the real virus in it. These aren't really shedding, but what they're doing is they're causing spike proteins that are, I think, causing other problems. And you wonder if you know, 12 out of the 13 countries that are on the no travel ban right now who have the highest ratio, uh, ratings or s- percentage points of vaccinated people are the ones doing the absolute worst. And I think that what this desperate push is for vaccinations is not only to get corporate sponsorships to endorse vaccine passports, but they're also, um, I think, they know something that we don't know, that somehow this vaccination is causing uh, a new variations, new variants. And like the Delta variant, we probably wouldn't have even never known about the Delta variant if it wasn't for the fact that people who got tested positive for COVID with the vaccine then mutated a new variant. And now the efficacy rate is like 38 to 42 percent. And so you see this cute tweet, that says, I know I'm not an epidemiologist, but I'm sure Pfizer would have liked to have seen a number higher than 42, right? So Emmanuel built, uh, let's see. So Emmanuel, yeah, this is this is something that he said right here that was one of the absolute, well, this was a longer clip than I wanted. Okay, so basically this was an older clip where he says we should be locked down for at least two years. You know, what that would have done to people the economy, everything. This guy's a madman. He's an absolute nut job. And he's going to be in charge of your food. And he's pro-climate change, which means he's going to be anti-beef. And who who's to say that, you know, the Colonial Pipeline and the JCP beef industry, the largest beef producer in the, in the world, um... Who's to say that they weren't targeted by green energy terrorists? These people that hack the computers of the beef industry 
and the oil industry that sent our oil prices skyrocketing and beef prices skyrocketing and 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 basically uh, caused a shortage in supply, raising the prices, uh, and then making it so people couldn't afford beef or gas and would look to alternative methods of fuel or food because they can't afford the beef, which happens to be that if you raise the price of oil and you raise the, which is exactly by design, the biflation, inflating some categories and not others, like the two, the one impacts the middle class more than the other. Uh, so what you have is the Biden administration saying no to the Keystone Pipeline, but then all of a sudden begging OPEC right now to lower their, uh, to increase production, to lower prices on the barrels of oil, giving business to Iran and Russia, two of our arch enemies. This is the Biden administration putting ten thousand, tens of thousands of people, American workers, middle, American middle class workers, out of business, with uh, shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline making us more dependent on our political adversaries, our arch enemies like Russia and Iran, and fortifying and strengthening the OPEC nations so that they could hate Israel once again and afford to do so. They couldn't afford to play ball. They couldn't afford to go against Trump when Trump created an energy-independent America that left Russia scrambling he brought Iran to its knees financially, and he worked out a great uh, equalization of power by helping build up Saudi Arabia militarily while controlling their oil consumption because of our own independence and really having an impact on the balance of power in the Middle East so that Iran wasn't holding all the cards, which is something that was given to them by Barack Hussein. So, you know, nothing for nothing, but I actually think that Donald Trump's Middle East policy was the most brilliant Middle East policy we've ever we've seen in decades. I would say that we've ever seen. Because even when you go back to Nixon uh, or when you go back to the Iran hostage crisis and, and Reagan, I mean, at least you would have to go back to Reagan with regard to Middle East policy. But even he made mistakes. I don't believe Trump made many mistakes when it came to Middle East foreign policy. Uh, the Arab uh, Abraham Accords were great. Everything was great. So um, I want to get to uh, another tweet that I read out earlier in the week about tech firms, feminists, and icons uh, that back liberal groups uh, their leadership turned a blind eye to Andrew Como. It'll be nice to see Andrew Como walk away and go go away. Turns out the new governor, the the woman that's running the show in New York, um, basically is going to say there's going to be a lot of turnover, that we are going to get to the bottom of this corruption. And I hope she makes good with that promise. I don't care if she's a Democrat or not. She was the lieutenant governor. I hope she does make good with that promise. And it'll be nice to see Gavin Newsom 
lose his runoff election September. I think it's September 11th. Um, but in any case, that runoff election, I just heard today on Fox and Friends about the notion that they're actually going to have union workers allow people to go to door to door and get them to print out their ballot and harvest it in. The problem with that is, see, they have these printout ballots. You can print your ballot out from home. That gets away from the whole notion of watermarks and, you know, government official documents, you know. So they're already ahead of the game in terms of the curve in California. Oh, you're talking about watermarks, are you? Oh, okay, we're going to get rid of that. We're going to go ahead and allow people to print it home. Now you've taken the whole watermark equation off the table. You know, that's pretty sad news right there. I wrote this. I said, some of the country's best-known corporations, celebrities, and feminist icons support the civil rights groups implicated in government, Governor Andrew Cuomo's efforts to smear a woman who accused him of sexual abuse. So, you know, the... Uh, Human Rights Campaign did it. Time's Up apparently did it. Time's Up is run by Tina Chen, connected with Kimberly Fox out of Chicago, and the Jesse Smollett case, which was directly connected with uh, Kamala Harris. Tina Chen, lifelong friend of Rama, Rahm Emanuel's wife, is a high-powered attorney in Chicago. She was also chief of staff, chief of staff for Michelle Obama, and when things went south with regard to Jesse Smollett acting out a poorly acted job at two in the morning where he said he was hung or, you know, he had a noose around his neck. He was a modern day lynching. Um, kind of reminds you of that NASCAR situation, too. Right. But um, where the FBI got involved and you wonder, Lord knows who what happened there. But with the Jesse Smollett thing, the reason why I think that was still an important case to talk about was because it was Cory Booker and Kamala Harris as senators that were pushing this anti-lynching bill. Like, dude, I thought that it was already illegal to hang people and burn them uh, uh, alive in, a, in, in our country. I thought there was a law for that. Of course there was. It's just a political rhetoric to try to say that Trump supporters are racists who want to lynch black people. That was what they were that was what that bill was trying to say. It's crazy. When it was Trump that actually did the opportunity zones, uh extended aid to HBCU colleges and universities, uh that did uh the opportunities opportunity zones with Tim Scott and did the uh criminal justice reform. And black unemployment was at an all-time great number, right? The unemployment was at the lowest. Uh, the percentage of black people working in the workforce was at an all-time high. I mean, he did more to help black people. His pardons alone were exceptional. Alice Johnson. How about the great postpartum uh, pardon of uh, Jack Johnson, the great boxer? Right, We forget these things, and I only bring them up to remind people of how great President Trump was as a president. And people don't people forget, and we should never forget. So I continue to write in this multi-threaded tweet of mine, tech firms, feminist icons, black 
liberal groups whose leaders helped Cuomo's smear accuser Valerie Jarrett, Alyssa Milano, are on the board of Human Rights Campaign. Just like in my last post uh, related to Valerie Jarrett and Alyssa Milano, are on the board of Human Rights Campaign. Pay attention to board members who pull the strings within the military-industrial complex to gain privileged access to Pentagon contracts by offering promises that future Pentagon and national security retirees will find lucrative posts as part of their golden parachute. And Valerie Jarrett is also on the board of Uber competitor Lyft, Lyft, the car service. Her position supports a conduit for jobs for illegal migrants. And the Obamas, board positions control propaganda and indoctrination of our society with Netflix, pushing social behaviors as a constant majority when these reflect a mere fraction of real society. Like in every scene, there's a homosexual couple. That's not normal. They represent 14% of our our nation's population. Black people represent 13% of our nation's population. Um, Transvestites represent less than 1%. Yet somehow we see... I think that 14% on homosexuals is, is actually high. I think it's 14, 13-14% black population. And it's a smaller number than that that are homosexual. But regardless of the number, they're making it out to be like, they're propping these things up as if all of these things are 50%. And it's just not the case. And nobody has trouble with race except for Democrats. They're constantly looking at the melatonin of your skin to justify policy. I think that's actually absurd. And everybody with half a brain would have to agree with me on that. You know, it just, it makes perfect sense. All right, so one other, um, so we just talked about Rahm Emanuel, right? Uh, Who basically doesn't think people should live past 75, now wants to be the FDA and control your food consumption. Dr. Fauci, watchdog report, Fauci spent nearly half a million in taxpayer dollars on abusive experiments on dogs. The National Institute, uh, the NIA, uh, directed by Dr. Fauci, spent $424,000, basically half a million, in taxpayer funds on experiments to infest beagles with parasite-carrying flies. Even though they were perfectly healthy beagles, infested with parasite-carrying flies, even though the procedure had already been extensively tested on other animals. White, White Coat Waste Project, the government watchdog group that ob- obtained the documents, found that about half of Fauci's $6 billion budget was used for animal experimentation, including the abusive dog experiment. The funds were directed to the University of Georgia Research Foundation to conduct the experiment. According to documents that we uh, just obtained using the Freedom of Information Act, Fauci just spent a half a million to commission a study in which healthy beagles are given experimental drug and then intentionally infested with flies that carry a disease-causing parasite that affects humans. The documents further revealed that the experiments were not necessary because scientists had already performed similar tests on various other animals. 
So they already had the data. They already knew the conclusion. They already knew what was going on. And yet they still did it. So that, to me, is very, very disturbing. So there's a huge conflict uncovered about Janet Yellen. She made $7 million in 2020 for speeches on Zoom calls during COVID from City alone, from Citibank alone, Citicorp. She made $7 million, $7 million just from that. Janet Yellen. In January, reported that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen had received $1 million in speaking fees from Citadel. These people are getting paid off, folks. These are nothing but money laundering payoffs for doing things that are completely untort. Yellen's official limited disclosure reveals she received millions from <clears throat> more from other banks like Barclays, BNP, UBS, and more. That indicates that her incentives are completely misaligned because her government salary is just $221,400, while just City has paid more than $7 million. Moreover, while this sum might look like a small amount for an open bribe, Yellen's wealth is estimated to be $20 million. $20 million. So she has been given, in one year, almost half her net worth by just one bank. Wow. So that's Janet Yellen. These people are the biggest sellouts. What do you think Jerome Powell's doing? You know, what do you think about these people that are running our economies into the ground? And then the other question is, has the pandemic put property rights into the crosshairs? We're talking about the landlord situation as one, right? That's an attack on the middle class. But on August 3rd, amid pressure from members of the Democrat Party, President Joe Biden announced a new moratorium on evictions. But now, you know, we've heard about eminent domain, but what is this going to do about property rights? And a person who owns a building as a landlord, their ability to control who lives and who doesn't stay in their place and who pays and who doesn't. So there's a lot of things that we have to wrestle with. In this time that we're living in. Well, with that, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Scott Adams Show. Uh, I appreciate your uh, patronage and listen, listenership. Um, be sure to check out uh, buglecall.org and magapack.org uh, to help us support America First policies that will make America great again. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcasts. And also, if you're going to go over and buy a my pillow, use the code word red state. Red state is one word, and uh, you'll get up to sixty five percent off of your purchase. So with that, thank you all, and we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye, everybody.